0: Coming to you from Charm City, I'm Anthony, and I'm Cece, and you're listening to Lit, Pop, Bang. Before we get started, we'd also like to say that we're uh, recording tonight from Bird in Hand, which is a bookstore here in Baltimore City. Yep. Um, Would like to are, thank Emma. Yeah, we want to thank Emma, Emma and Bird in Hand for letting us come here and record tonight. Um, if you have a chance, come visit them. Visit their website. It's a great bookstore. It is I mean, lovely. Coming it's here. Cute.
1: Good, good things to eat. Good things to yeah, drink. A fantastic you check it place out, for to sure.
0: be. All right, and great. And today we have a great episode for you. We have our last episode of 2018 and of season one. It is. And we're ending out the year with our friend, the talented Tyler Vile. Tyler, thank you for joining us. Thank
2: you so much for having me, guys. I'm so excited. We're excited
0: too, yeah. So listeners, Tyler Vile is a writer, performer, and activist from Baltimore, Maryland, whose novel and verse, Never Coming Home, is available on Topside Press. She was a vocalist in a punk band called Anti Androgen and is a founding member of Hinenu, the Baltimore Justice Shtibl, a radically inclusive synagogue. She's working on at least one collection of short fiction and her interactive poetry zine, Acidic Witch Murder, is available on her website, tylerbyle.wordpress.com. She aspires one day to become the world's greatest transsexual yenta. Tyler, thank you for joining us.
1: I love that last
2: line of your bio. It's so great. I'm really glad you do. It's so if <laughs> listeners out there in, in podcast land, if you don't know what a yenta is. Oh, this is a good point. um, it is a Yiddish word for like a like a busybody kind of old lady.
0: <laughs> Just
2: sort of like you know from from Fiddler, like the matchmaker, matchmaker, <laughs> make me a match. <laughs>
1: it's... Great. I've heard it's like a mother. It's supposed to be like a like a yeah. mother role, mother figure. Yeah, but also yes. a very gossipy. Oh, very yes. gossipy mother figure. <laughs> mother. Okay.
2: And so, Barbara Streisand, the Great Babs, the Great Babs, the Great Babs, was in um, and produced and directed. Yeah this movie called Yentl,
0: and so, yeah,
2: yeah, like, the word Yenta comes from the name Yentl. Okay. So, you know, you've got
1: that connection there. So that's a a great (laughs) description for our listeners who may not know what Yenta is, so. Well, wait a minute, but we wanted to ask like, yeah, one yeah. question. So we, wanted, we always start the podcast off by saying, that's your official bio, but is there anything you'd like to add to the bio that we've read? Anything that listeners, you'd like listeners to know? You know, anything that you do as a hobby or anything of that nature that you'd like to add?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, in addition to the collection of fiction that I'm working on, I'm working on a poetry collection, too. Um, working on two books at once, because... I'm crazy. And, That's okay. That's okay. Um, and, yeah, I really, you know, it kind of trips me out to um, do interviews and, and promote stuff and people, have people be like, oh, like, you're kind of literary famous. And I'm like, because. Yeah? <laughs> Cause I just like to sit around in my PJs and watch
1: cartoons.
0: I
2: don't, I
1: don't do anything. So you may have in the first minute uh, found us our new title for the, for this episode: literary famous. I love that. Yeah, yeah that's
0: great. I love that. Um, we're actually we're gonna talk about your newest project out. I think um, we actually both read um, "Never Coming Home." Yeah over the last couple of days, but we're also read your new interactive zine.
2: Oh, that came out in 2016. Oh, great. So it's not really new. The newest thing I have out is a little comic book. Oh, um, well tell us about that. It's called Sprinza and the Golem. It is a sort of, um, it's a short sort of fantasy story. Um, a comic book collaboration that I did with, um, my friend Avi, Avi Roberts, it's about a little girl who who finds a golem, this sort of, like, big, both destructive and protective clay giant. Um, a golem is sort of a key mythological figure in Yiddish folklore, right. um, based generally around... Um, protection against anti-Semitic and racist violence. Yeah. And it's a, just sort of about this little girl's friendship with this big, scary, freaky thing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's so great. I think it's really interesting. The the golem has become sort of a general mythological figure. And only in the last year or two did I somebody tell me and, and show me, like, oh, no, it's actually, like, deep Jewish-Yiddish tradition of the goal. it's a very very good oh, okay. thing yeah, yeah 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 and there's a really specific tradition it's not just like any clay or or sort of stone monster right right yeah yeah right
2: it's it's a, a creature that is only called upon in in desperate times yeah and is something that is hard to control and um will and often does um destroy what it's supposed to protect. And so... It's sort of... Um... It's this double-edged sword in a way, and it's this, like, half-sentient thing, and really, um... You can trace the roots of something like... Um... Like Frankenstein, or, um... Any of the sort of modern sci-fi takes on um, robots or androids that, you know, someone says I've created life yes. and that life has a mind of its own and, yeah, um, you know, Destroys things to varying yeah. degrees. Yeah, right. that's a, I think that's a very old trope. Yeah. But yeah. this is a... Sure. Um, I think it first appeared in about the fifteenth or 16th century as, um, as a folkloric figure and um, was first published in the 19th century. By um, several well-known Yiddish authors. So, yeah, I have always been fascinated by the subject of the golem. And um, it usually is an older male rabbi who um, holds the power to turn this thing on and off. And I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if we gave that power to a little girl? And if we really sort of humanized the golem and um, made it more or less reluctant to do its job.
0: That's very cool. That's Thank very you. That's very cool. Awesome. I can't wait to read that. I actually haven't read that yet. I'm really sad that we get a chance to check that out. But I really look forward to finding it.
2: Yeah, it, it is on um, Avi Roberts' Etsy shop. I think it's Etsy.com slash Avi Roberts. Cool. We'll, we'll have that link well, I was sure. going to say we're yeah. going to provide a link. A the, so the show notes so that right create, yeah, yeah,
1: so that people can check it out. Yeah, so Tyler, I wanted to talk to you um, mainly about Never Coming Home. Sure. And, and how I felt like um, a lot of the poetry is based in childhood, which is really interesting. Um, I'm also someone who has written my first poetry book, uh, Based in Childhood. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you. Um, What do you find important about writing about childhood, uh, both for yourself and what do you think it can do for um, the literary world in terms of examining the childhood as a way to go into the future? Right. Well, childhood
2: is formative. Everyone on this planet has a childhood. True. Very true. Whether or not we're um, allowed to experience it as a time of of innocence and safety is, um, is what's in question for a lot of people. Sure. Yeah. And so I think that in my own writing about childhood trauma, especially, that book came out when I was um, 22 in
1: 2015. So, I mean... Pretty brave pretty brave book to be coming out at such a young age yeah I, I
2: looking back i think so too um and honestly i started writing it when i was about 19 so i really i was barely out
1: of childhood, of right, childhood. Right, i was barely right. out
2: of my adolescence right when i was like okay well i need to write this book so as i've, I've grown older and learned, had just a little bit of distance from this book, I can look at it as, um, almost someone else's story in a way Mm. that like, I can still recognize these things as mine, but in my writing of the book, I had to sort of separate and go, okay, like this is book Tyler. She has a story with a beginning, a middle and an end. And I really don't. Um, because like, I learned some science factoid that may or may not be true that like, all of your cells, um, every seven years or so, yeah. Yeah. basically replace themselves, so you even the same person.
0: Yeah.
2: Right, and it, it's like writing about childhood, especially those of us who've had complicated childhoods, where, um. Maybe there was physical, emotional, or sexual abuse, and maybe we were um, slotted into the roles of caretaker, whether that's for um, a parent or a sibling. Um, those of us who were in various ways made to be little adults, mm-hmm. yeah. um, we don't we don't get to look back fondly on those years and i wanted to give voice to that yeah i think that um especially you know growing up house poor in um mcmansion hell not far (laughs) out of the city um so yeah i it's sort of this thing of maybe at first glance you think oh, poor little rich girl. But really, no, poor little poor girl. Because what's a state-of-the-art fridge with nothing in it? Um, And so when we look at childhood through the lens of, of those of us who were sort of denied that space to grow and adjust as we needed to, we can, we can see that some of us sort of become the, the monsters that we were afraid of as kids. And um, it's, it's been kind of my life's mission to, to do the work to make sure that's not the case in my life, and I think never coming home was, um, especially writing it at at such a young age and putting it out there at such a young age was really the, um, one of the big steps I took to say, this is my story and I'm not afraid to tell it.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It reads like that. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's really interesting what you, what you were sort of saying initially too about uh, everyone as a childhood is that y- you'd think like a novel in verse, a really specific genre from uh, an author with a lot of intersecting identities of being trans and disabled and Jewish might be really niche, but because you're writing about childhood, so many of the themes in the book, sisterhood and family totally and, universal. And, and, and dealing with trauma, are much more broadly experienced.
1: And totally universal. I think that's why people, if you haven't read it, uh, you can go. We'll have a link for you to go and uh, and get the book. But it's totally worthwhile and it's very moving. It's a very, I mean, it feels like a very um, up close and personal account. The poems feel like right there. You know, they, um, visceral and like I said, uh, emotive and sincere, all of those sorts of things. So I, I, I really enjoyed reading it. And I think, um, you know, I think many people have examined childhood, but I think it's a really important and foundational place for some people in order to move forward. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank Um, you so much. So I was also that was sort of uh, one of your older pieces, but I was actually going to talk about something you said sort of is in progress. So we were talking on the internet. I was asking I people we recently, especially um, my friends, many of who are writers, uh, particularly queer writers, about their favorite end of the world stories across genres. It's something we've talked on the show about yes. more than once. And uh, Tyler, you mentioned that you're actually writing some apocalyptic work with uh, disabled characters that are centered. can you tell us about that
2: so one of the two books that i'm writing that hopefully will um come out in the next year or two next couple years i don't have a um a solid timeline on that yet but um i grew up absolutely fascinated by science fiction and I've, i've had These ideas for a while, but like disabled people are um also something that's that's universal that disability doesn't care about your your race, your class, your religion, or when you were born. Um there have always been disabled people, there were disabled people in prehistory that is actually very well documented that um some of our pre-human ancestors took very good care of um, of their disabled friends and family. And so when you also think about adaptive technology and sort of the ins and outs of that, which is something I've sort of been inundated with my entire life, you sort of think, whoa, disabled people are... Um, one of the most sci-fi things about society. And yet we're completely written out of, um, of sci-fi and fantasy. Um, yeah. Either disability just gets fixed and brushed aside, or it's just not mentioned at all.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right.
2: You know, if I'm a big star Wars fan, right. So <laughs> if you look at the example of, um, Of Darth Vader and, and Luke Skywalker as disabled characters, which like we don't think about that, right? Right that, right. that Darth Vader is like kept alive in this walking iron lung.
0: Yeah.
2: On this space station with all these laser laser swords and <laughs> and all that. And like there's that scene, I think, in in Empire Strikes Back where R2-D2 just kind of spits out another hand for Luke. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, it's no big deal. And, you know, our protagonist is able-bodied again. Everything is fine. Right. And so the questions I'm working through in this manuscript are, what if it isn't, you know, um, what do we do? as disabled people in the event of medicine shortages, food shortages, this is already happening, a lot of this. And so, I mean, I think that we live in the dystopian nightmare nobody could have imagined. Yeah. And I, I think the power in imagining disabled characters And it's my goal to um, to portray disabled characters with a variety of disabilities from a variety of backgrounds. Um, How do we as disabled people bounce back from um, a world that... Increasingly, seems like it doesn't want us. That like, the history of eugenics is alive and well right now. That like, all of this um, racist and sexist and ableist pseudoscience is making a major comeback right now, and we have open and avowed nationalists spouting these things like they're fact. And so... What... The hell do we do?
0: I, <laughs> yeah, right.
2: Yeah, and I have a character who is sort of on her own, on crutches in the wilderness, and after sort of a major societal shutdown, and like... Um, figuring out who to trust and what to do. And like, she's queer too, obviously. Yeah. And so, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's things like, um, things like Janelle Monae's Dirty Computer that were really, you know, a lot of good juice yeah. yeah. for me to, I mean, I've been thinking about that since before Dirty Computer came out, but, um, you know, <laughs> I love Janelle. She's yeah. she's fucking amazing. Yeah, same. And <laughs> shout out to Janelle. Yeah, same. And so I think like um, her her willingness to um, to weave that narrative through song and to explore um, the intimate lives of of queer people especially black people in um this vaguely totalitarian um sci-fi nightmare is um is really courageous and amazing and we can do something with this book that's like, a third is good? <laughs> not that I ever really want to compare myself with no money, because... But why not? Maybe, maybe. It's a tough okay. fight, but
0: yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, so... Just, just gotta
2: do it. Just gotta play, do play, it, just right? Just claim it, claim it. Just gotta claim it, just gotta go for it. <laughs> yeah, so that's... Yeah.
0: I love that. I love, I love, I love both collapse and futuristic views of what's next, but also I think like we're in a moment where like so much of the collapse and apocalyptic and post-apocalyptic literature we are reading are are responding to that question you asked, like what the hell do we do, right? But yeah, I also
1: think it's the current political moment, right? Yeah. You know, I think that we're yeah, feeling, course. people are feeling, I don't, I, how do I know how people are feeling? I don't know listeners how you're feeling, but I feel like people in America are feeling depressed. And I feel like yeah. um, things that are fantasy, things that are sci-fi, things that are um, Afrofuturism, all of these things are very on trend because, you know, people of color, women, uh, queer people are, are imagining a different future and that future can be um, designed in any way they want it to be, right? right. The way that we right. want to see America, not the way that, in which America is being presented to us in this very dim and desolate or the
0: that way too right there's both like utopian views of us coming out of this but there's also like sure
1: right there are, coping yes.
0: like here's right. how we're gonna manage when right. it does get as bad as yeah. we saying saying it's gonna get right
1: Tyler, going back to "Never Coming Home" and thinking about some of the poems in there and the way in which they address gender and and pronouns, I wanted to ask you um, personally: Have you ever been called the wrong pronoun? Um, although I know the poems sort of deal with that, I just wanted to know. I think some of the listeners might wonder um, how you feel about being mis you know misnamed or called the wrong pronoun, uh, something of that you know nature.
2: Right, I. Um... It's an interesting sort of question because of course I've been misgendered. I, I think that that's a very common experience for, um, for any out trans person for any length of time. Um, I don't know anyone who's quite like gendered correctly from the moment they come out from everyone that they ever come into contact with
1: i don't think that exists (laughs) uh so right and especially with babies who knows who knows what a baby is
2: and and that's the thing is that generally uh straight people cisgender people are um are kind of obsessed with the gender and genitalia of their babies yeah it's weird and it's a very oh gender reveal parties there's all kinds of weird shit it's it's that (laughs) whole thing and so yeah and also i mean like my um my abuse both physical and and sexual and really honestly (laughs) emotional too um was very gendered Mm -hmm. and and i explore that in in never coming home um to great extent where like my femininity, which was pretty much undeniable from the time I started talking, maybe even before, um, was, was policed, was um, at certain points, literally beaten out of me. was something that I felt a lot of shame around, but also, um, you know, I could never quite tell what my abusers wanted out of me. Like, Mm. did they want a boy or, like you know, um, I was, I knew from a very, very early, I think around like four or five, I was like, so I'm a girl Mm. and (laughs) it was 1997 or eight and they just weren't having that. And so, you know, it was, especially Um, when I got to my teenage years, I always looked fairly androgynous. Um, I remember getting catcalled as early as like 13, 14. I honestly, I don't think that my experience is all that different from the experiences of, um a lot of the cis women that I've talked to. And I think that um, it was also fairly easy for me as, um, like when I had first come out, um, I wasn't even sure what pronouns I was going to use. In the just in the very early weeks, and I was presenting feminine, and, and strangers were using she, and I went, oh, okay. Mm. But then also, I've also had very aggressive um, catcalls related to um, gender ambiguity. I've been pulled into alleyways. It's just the whole thing. Mm. And so... Um, I think there's a certain level where people panic about not just my gender, but the gender of all um, gender variant people. And, and trans misogyny, um, misogyny that specifically deals with um, and affects transgender women, when you boil it down, it's really just misogyny. Mm, yeah. there's, there's no like okay there are there are key differences um in these experiences, but I don't see them as altogether different from um, any other differences that, that women might have that like transgender woman is, um, is a descriptor in the same way that disabled woman or Jewish woman or queer woman, um, might be. And so like, yes, I have, um, I have differences in my experience from cisgender women, but I also have differences in my experience um, from able-bodied women or from non-Jewish women or from, you know, women of color. This is not separate, and I, I understand that might make some people uncomfortable to consider, but... Um, honestly, what is what is a pronoun but a grammatical device, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But, but like we're writers here, and <laughs> um, and so one of the wonderful things about um, transgender literature is that we get to tell our own stories but um we get to use whatever pronouns for ourselves and our characters that we're comfortable using yeah. hmm.
0: all right and we are back with the pop section of our podcast. And a bit of a transition here, but staying on the topic of gender and yeah. gendering, um, uh, some Spice Girls news. Wow.
1: From the 90s, straight out of the 90s, yeah. guys. Yeah.
0: Um, so the Spice Girls are returning. Um, they're returning sans posh spice. Victoria Beckham will not be part of the reunion. Of tour. course, she won't be. Um,
2: yeah. I mean, I've heard mixed things.
0: About posh or about the spice? About
2: posh. Yeah. I mean, I w- I'm not surprised that they wouldn't. And full disclosure, we're talking about childhood, we're talking about gender. Um, I was five years old when the Spice Girls were huge. I wanted nothing more than to be a Spice Girl, yeah. you awesome. Yeah,
0: you know what? <laughs> uh, similarly, I'm a little older than you, but yeah, I, um, I saw Spice World in theaters... Opening night, I stand for Spice Girls. So did I. And (laughs) I'm black,
1: and I care nothing about Spice Girls whatsoever. Right? Like, I got got nothing on. I mean, no. Of course they were round. I mean, everybody thought they were cute, and people sung their songs, and whatever. No, but
0: no, but they like that is not unreasonable, right? Like they had deeply. Problematically racialized lyrics. Oh, they did. Yeah.
1: Oh, I don't remember. Oh, really? I don't remember any of yeah, that. they it was totally like, did. It was like about
0: <laughs> Chinaman and Timbuktu and shit like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, like yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That's that's true. This yeah, is true. This is true. Yeah, totally yeah, yeah. Um, really, really racist stuff. I mean, some of them
1: are right, and like some of them are British. Can they help it? And oh, well, they're all <laughs> British. Painful,
0: right. They're painful. all British.
1: But also.
2: I mean, Scary Spice is black
0: and beautiful. Half black, and I thought. One of but, my favorites. Oh. Is, she <laughs> is she multiracial? Is she multiracial?
1: Look at me. I think I think so. Look, at, I don't, know. don't I, know. People should look. I, I shouldn't.
0: You should Google it. I should don't not Don't take Cece's word for exactly, it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Okay. For
1: calling her half black.
0: <laughs> um. Yes. So yes, Scary Spice was among my favorites. Um, but anyway, what's going on? Flash was not. Oh yeah, you, off you, never it. you never finished it. Flash Spice was not. So whatever. Okay. But the three thing is is okay in a recent interview promoting their upcoming tour, Jerry Horner, formerly Jerry Hallowell. um, She stepped back from the famous girl power slogan and said, I'm quoting here, it's people power. We're about equality and bringing everyone together, end quote. Um, And then went on, uh, everyone matters to us. It's philosophy of spice up your life. Uh, every boy and every girl, it doesn't Uh-oh. matter what oh, you no. look like, where you are. Here Everyone's we welcome. All lives matter. We all love it. <laughs> that Spice Girl stands for equality. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't see this as like a post-gender construct of people power, right? Right. I think it's like, I don't know, like... It's like the people who are like, I don't like the word feminist. What about like equity or equality? It's those sorts of people. Right,
2: exactly. And so there were... I heard that, and this might be unsubstantiated, so sorry, listeners, Um, (laughs) I heard that some of them were, like, supporting the current conservative government in the UK right now. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, at the present moment. Yeah. And they're, like, yeah.
0: In that same interview, Jerry said, she, like, said something about, like, supporting Theresa May, who's the conservative prime minister who's sort of leading the charge on Brexit, and said, like, oh, it doesn't matter, your politics, uh, you should support her. Um,
2: Yes. Right. And I just want to break down people power. Like, if they're saying, like, oh, it doesn't matter, your politics, you should support Theresa May, and, like, people power has a history as this very kind of left wing thing in a lot of ways. But also, I mean right wing populism is a thing. But yeah. yes. Yeah. Can can we just like talk about how you know power to the people is that's a that's a Black Panther slogan. That's yeah. Exactly. It. It's all power to All, <laughs> all of power the people. to all
0: people. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. Like
1: that's not you can't use that like yeah. that.
0: Yeah.
1: Or maybe you can, but maybe I mean, you can, yeah. But
0: I just think like I don't know like I think it's really disappointing there's so many uh, girls who are now women who are raised on girl power and who like you know it's just rhetoric it's just pop culture rhetoric but right? it mattered to them exactly. in a way that was formative
2: yeah it mattered to me in a way that was yeah. formative um and Spice Spice World especially was um like I think a formative queer movie for me like yeah, yeah. they there's that photo shoot scene where they're all, like, kind of gender vending, and there's yeah, the, like, yeah. the scene where, um, Sporty Spice is all butched out, and, like, yeah. they're parodying <laughs> griefs. like, it's...
0: Yeah, so many gay, <laughs> and, and like, bi-women just... loved Sporty Spice growing up. They did. They did <laughs> Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. Right. And I, I loved Scary. <laughs> um, and I loved... I really... I can give a fuck about posh space I also that's the thing like, they doing... when they said
0: it was when it was posh who wasn't joining them instead of Jerry and exactly. I remember Jerry like... left at one point you felt like um, I didn't care like I was yeah. like she's the one that we don't I was, care about. I was a scary <laughs> and Jerry fan
1: but are they doing another tour or something yeah, like, why touring. is this yeah, coming yeah, yeah. back yeah. are they 104 are they what what wh- wh- everyone's doing that not the 90s all the you know escape and all these weird yeah. people are doing like a right. 90s comeback you know puff daddy's 104 and dancing on the stage and panting really hard and i, I just you know the 90s are, the 90s, 90s are back
0: the 90s are back and they're selling can, tickets can, the 90s can again and stay gone fanny packs are back and fanny neon packs, colors fanny are, fanny are, are, back. are back right and scary
1: Spice is back and god, god bless jeans. america I, I don't know I digress the one thing I wanted to talk about in pop culture is uh, Michelle Obama's new book uh, oh, right. Becoming it's a memoir it's out I was very excited that uh, that she's written the book and that she's touring and all these lovely things I stand for Michelle Obama as yeah. everyone yeah. knows yeah. Yeah. Um, but more interestingly and related to Baltimore is that uh, Michelle Obama called Alicia Wilson president of the College Bound Foundation a Baltimore nonprofit that provides support and counseling to students who want to attend college and called her and asked her if she wanted to bring some young girls from Baltimore to D.C. to uh, actually sit in on her talk and tour, book tour. And uh, apparently Alicia Wilson said, sure, I'd be interested in bringing some girls, and said, I'd like 50. And Michelle Obama said, uh, you should dream bigger. And so gave her 150 tickets to take girls from Baltimore City to D.C. and uh, and, and check out the tour. So I thought that was um, both endearing and a good a good message of hope. I don't know. Yeah. And Michelle Obama's really into, um, you know, on girls education. She's done yeah. a lot of work in the White House and outside about uh, educating girls. And so I think that was like a great moment. Although when I looked up tickets to go, it was $615 to get a ticket. To wow. and, and, I don't, I don't know that the tickets are still that expensive, but yeah. anyway, it's Probably really more. nice. To know, it's I need a welfare ticket. Can someone give me a welfare ticket? To <laughs> and it's well, yeah. it's kind of, I can't, I shouldn't say welfare ticket. That's the wrong, but anyway, I need a discounted ticket yeah. to yeah. go see my idol, Michelle Obama. Yeah. Um, in, in, you know, reading from her, her new memoir called becoming, she'll be in uh, DC, Philly, um, she's not coming to Baltimore. I was, I was really um, kind of sad that she's not doing uh, uh, some sort of yeah. event here in, in Baltimore. But she'll be at politics and prose, and you know,
0: whatever all those yeah. places. We often get yeah. skipped by those big national things. We do if they're in DC we and they're we in do. Philly. They're like, eh, I do need to stop. The in Baltimore between. people will come. Yeah, tomorrow, yeah. The other, yeah. And and so that's... she shipped 150
1: girls from Baltimore to DC, and I yeah. thought, well, it, wouldn't it be nicer if you just did, if you just did yeah. an event yeah. here? <laughs> it <laughs> would yeah. be great. Michelle Obama come to Baltimore.
2: Yeah, honestly, I think that, like, it would be wonderful if she just came and did, um, like, a freer sliding scale
1: event. Like, what? At the Royal Farms Arena. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Down, down that down. would be fantastic.
0: I was thinking something a little more intimate, but that would be pretty great. <laughs> Look at yeah. me,
1: the Royal Farms Arena. I mean, she would fill it. She, could, she would, yeah. of course, she would. Yeah. 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 yeah, it. Yeah. She's at the Capital Capital One or whatever. We, and she's. I mean, she's touring big. She's spaces. doing
0: arenas for her book tour. Yes. yeah cool. I mean, awesome. and
1: she's filling them. Yeah. I bet. I mean, no. You know, yeah. No doubt. She I is. mean, the Clintons yeah, made, a, made a made a career of, of speaker's so, yeah, fees course. and talking yeah. and yeah. sure. tours, and right. Hillary Hillary and everybody mm. else uh, was making uh, you know make makes good money doing
0: these sorts of things. So yeah, on both our lists was something else that you had, which is oh yeah, Stanley passing. Yeah, Stanley. Rest yeah. in peace. Yeah. Ninety
1: five. Ninety five years old.
0: Yeah. Sort of a Godfather of comics. Marvel Comics. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And. Um,
2: Nice Jewish boy from Manhattan.
0: Yeah. Oh, (laughs) here
2: here it is. Full circle. Here we go. And that's, that's the thing that like, I think, um, one of the histories that gets lost in this sort of multi-billion dollar comic book, Hmm. um, sort of pop culture empire is that most comic books especially your like Marvel stuff that was written by um working class Jewish children of immigrants yeah um,
0: yeah
2: um who survived the great depression lived in um tenement houses on the lower east side mm. like Our pop culture, our mythology is, is shaped by working class immigrants. And it, you know, um, it pains me to see um, the rise of sort of right wing nerd culture. Yeah, totally. And lionizing of, um, of the things that a lot of these people, especially Stan Lee, were talking against. Yeah. Stan Lee and and his freaking collaborator Jack Kirby um, took a hiatus from comics to to go fight Nazis in World War II these are these are people that you know well of course they're people they didn't do everything right set a standard for um for inclusion and sort of anti-fascist art, and um, they didn't expect that it would become this huge thing. They were they were writing funny books for kids. Yeah, totally. With you know superheroes, mm-hmm. and it it became. Our mythology, our folk stories. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're not giving working class immigrants a shot, you're you're missing out on the next generation of um, incredible...
0: Literary and, and socio-cultural. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. Looking back, it doesn't seem as progressive, but at the time, uh, a lot of what they were doing really is. Yeah. In ways that, like, people now be like, oh, I can't believe we have, like, I don't know, like a Muslim Miss Marvel. Like, of why can you not believe it? Like, it's that's that. that's the contemporary equivalent of, of, of just looking at the diversity of the world and looking at new right. stories and, like, looking at, like... Who who needs a hero to rise up, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It's and so it really pains me to see people who are who are against that, who are against like the new Shira, who are against Yay! the new Star Trek, even right? Right, because they're too progressive.
2: Yeah, but mm-hmm. like this this term, this acronym that rears its ugly head a lot. This SJW, the Social yeah, Justice yeah. Warrior. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's us, right? You guys, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, listeners? Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I love. That, Right. I love the term. It's it's almost always used pejoratively, but I love it. Like, yeah, I, what an amazing badge to to be to wear. To be I
2: kind of love it, and you know, um, what I see a lot with like Ashkenaz meaning Eastern European Jews yeah. sort of buying into white supremacy. That's gonna kill us all, and and Stanley wouldn't have stood for it. Yeah, yeah there it is. I agree, and um, you know,
1: it's like. There's an apocalyptic phrase. Yeah, that's going to kill us all.
2: (laughs) It really is. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I just... I am out and proud as a... queer, Jewish, disabled, trans, anarchist nerd. Like, I... (laughs) There's nothing I love more than superheroes punching Nazis in the
0: face. Yeah. <laughs> we have a long tradition. Love that. All right. And finally, for the bang portion of our podcast, yes. I've gotten something special for us Uh-oh. this month. It's always questionable. Uh, sadly, <laughs> the holiday season is upon us.
1: Sadly? <laughs> there's good food sadly. And, good, bit. and good Okay, and I good love food. I do
0: love food. I love friends. people relaxing a little bit. I like Less, Not uh, being less work-oriented culture school for a closing, few weeks. I, yes. do, I love all those things, yes. but I'm also of the like the um, Sedgwick perspective of the holidays. Of like, it's sad when the whole mainstream culture is speaking in one voice, right? So, oh yeah, um, that's tough for people who don't observe the holiday. But part of that is the omnipresent holiday music. Yes. Right. Whether it's of winter course. music, whether it's Christmas music specifically, it is from. It's not even Thanksgiving, and it's on in cafes and restaurants, right, and bookstores, right. um, and it will be on until the New Year, um, and that's what I wanted to ask you about. Uh, I was thinking maybe your favorite and or least favorite holiday song.
1: Well, I don't know. Everyone's looking at me like I should go first. Um, (laughs) My mother, every Christmas, listens to the temptations. Uh, holiday Christmas—it's yes, like the sounds temptation. It's—it's so it's not. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm supposed to love it because I'm black, but yeah. I mean, you know, but really, it's kind of questionable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she loves it though, my mom. I mean, God bless her. Yeah. Um, but I have one, and now, of course, the title of the song is—it's like the most popular Christmas song ever. But Mariah Carey mm-hmm. sings uh,
0: That's, that you like. All or I, you I hate want is
1: for Christmas is
0: uh, all I want for Christmas is you. Is you. Yeah. Ba-dum, right. ba-dum, ba-dum. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure it's it's. Sold like eighty gazillion, quadrillion.
0: I think it's the best-selling Christmas song. Yeah, that.
1: and you know, I always I like kind of loathe it inside. But every time I'm inside Target or some douchebag place, oh, no, no disrespect to Target. I'm calling Target a douchebag. Place. Uh, <laughs> Target,
0: Target is opening on Thanksgiving night. So f you, Target. Yeah, um, really? that's Sort of true. Let your workers go home and get. Let to your sleep. workers eat Thanksgiving. But you
1: know, I'm like shopping through, going through my cart, and I'm like, dun, 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 dun. you know, it's just, I start, I start hearing it, and I start singing it, and suddenly I don't know what's happening to my. Myself, but I'm into it I don't know I'm not suppo- so anyway I'm not a fan of Mariah Carey I'm not a fan of her personally or really even her music glitter kind of sucked sorry for my friends out there that really love glitter it was trash um Time out real
0: quick you don't like any Mariah Carey like the butterfly album
1: I mean, you're from the. You're gonna stand for because you're from the '90s. You, you, your whole era is the '90s. You don't f,
0: like f Mariah Carey. You don't Carey. like "One Sweet Day" Mariah Carey featuring Boys Two Men. Or
1: better yet, Mariah Carey and Old Dirty Bastard. That was <gasps> a, that was a weird combination. Yeah, a weird what combination. a weird combo. Her next to a black man swinging in a park or something. I don't know. It's weird stuff. Yeah. Weird stuff. I'm C- Madonna. Madonna. Ma- no, no,
0: no, Mariah. Yeah. Madonna. Yeah. Have any Christmas?
1: Madonna does I don't think. I think Madonna's at home, I don't know, putting We're gonna in look real up fronts
0: it. or something. We're gonna Madonna. look it up. Um, <laughs> okay. Madonna's Jewish, isn't she? No. She no. 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 She for had, some I thought she was like in the, okay. the Jewish mysticism. Christian.
1: She was just, the Christian.
2: Okay. The the Kabbalah thing <laughs> right. was like um it was a phase for her. Right. Okay. Yeah. It. Um, yeah. it was an it was aesthetic. a very yeah. sort yeah. Okay. of appropriate of aesthetic. Phase. I yeah. agree. Okay. That I right. agree. I'm I'm kind of, I mean, because like, she's very Catholic, right? She's got the whole yeah. Catholic iconography, especially yeah. in like All, the yeah. earlier videos. In her years, yeah, yeah, for yeah. Sure. yeah. Like a prayer, um, thanks, yeah. sure. Yeah, and so like, like a version? Yeah, no, like I love you, <laughs> Anthony, but you you lose some points for calling Madonna Jewish
1: <laughs> to my face. Yeah, okay, I'm yeah. moving on to other songs. So that's my context. By the
0: way, context for this conversation about the holidays. You are Christian and you celebrate Christmas, right?
1: Um, I think putting Christian labels. You go to
0: a Christian church.
1: Um, yeah, I have... It, anyway, I okay. don't...
0: And you're Jewish, do you observe Hanukkah? I do. Any other holidays during the end of the year you um, observe?
2: Okay, so this is really... More toward, I wouldn't quite say the middle of the year for the Jewish calendar, but it's my year started in like September, you guys. yeah. Yeah. So Hanukkah, for those who don't know, is not a major holiday. Minor
0: holiday in the calendar, right? It is a minor holiday.
2: And the only reason it's sort of elevated to the status that it is, is because um, this is an American diaspora like, invention. That it it sort of, like, is around the same time as Christmas. Yeah. Sometimes it falls on Christmas. And, um... You know, it it just became this big gift-giving holiday when, like, it used to be that you just... Maybe, if you're lucky, you win a handful of pennies in, like... A hot-handed cradle. It's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that's not... So, yeah. All right. right. But I do have... A song. I do have some favorite Hanukkah songs. Oh. Um, Woody Guthrie. Love Woody wow. Guthrie. Is,
0: Love Woody um, Guthrie. Um, wow.
2: Yeah. He, um, his wife was Jewish, which um, maybe a lot of people don't know. And so he wrote... Um, several Hanukkah songs toward the end of his life. Oh, right. And um, there's one called Hanukkah Dance, which is just sort of like being a little funny about it, and <laughs> um, and like it's it's definitely a kid's song, and, and like addressing the kid in the song as as little latke. And I, oh, oh, I love that. It's so. It's, that, that sounds a little. It's a little much. But you know, it's it. He. I don't think he officially converted. But he really did consider himself. Jewish and you know yeah. raises kids, in the tradition. So it's uh, it's kosher.
0: Yeah, and there it is.
1: And stamped by Tyler.
2: Yeah, and so there's like, a few other Hanukkah songs, but again. Not a major holiday, not yeah. a big deal. Yeah. I do want to point out, though, that um, whether you like him or not, Irving Berlin wrote oh, basically yeah. all your favorite Christmas songs. Yeah, or that's like, true. all your least favorite Christmas <laughs> songs. It's true. You're right. If that's you're right. The case. You're right about that. Yeah. So that's the you yeah. know this like this like tacky schmaltzy Christmas thing brought to you by the Jews. Yeah.
0: There it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There it is. Um, and then again, for context, I do not observe Christmas or Hanukkah. Um, I actually spend my Christmas marathoning the Planet of the Apes films. Oh. Um, partially in a similar thing. So, Christmas actually is largely a holiday that was adapted to fit a pagan calendar, a proto Christian calendar, right? Um, and so, I do do just small, like, what I'm thankful for, what I'm looking for for the year to come, for the solstice every year. Um, sometimes I exchange gifts on the solstice in a similar way where, like, the holidays are just sort of merging in the American context sort of way. Um, but I don't observe any any, any big holiday season. Um, but I do have a favorite. It is a, I will say, Christmas song. And that is um, Last Christmas, by another, wham.
1: another one of my favorites. Yeah,
0: it is a good one. It's it is a sad bastard Christmas song. And I love it. It's just, it is very wham. And thus, it is very gay. Um, and I just really love it. Um, I don't know that I have a least favorite. I'm pretty, I really hate holiday music. It's um, so annoying. Just Yeah, it's just, plain, yeah, plain, it's plain. Yeah. Plain, uh, I think if it were like a little light. I don't think I hate it for what it is. I think right. it's, it's. Omnipresence is what I hate.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And I think like um if they just sort of gave it a break, if we had one year where that just wasn't
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. People would be like, oh there's some mysterious Christmas. It, yeah, song exactly. The yeah. Exactly. You know? <laughs> I remember I remember when I went to Europe, I heard inside of like uh clothing stores, I heard like techno or electronic music and i was like yes
0: that's what we need this is i
1: was like this is what i need all the time in the united states it was like oops, 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 oops. i was like you know i was in there shopping for my like sneakers or whatever yeah. and listening to like electronic music listen
0: this, this is actually one thing i do sort of love about the holiday period when everyone's like scattered in different places and there's less work um is that weird dance nights at like gay bars and like punk rock bars like auto bar and stuff like yeah. that like have weird dance nights and like oh, people who that. like don't want to be around their family or just don't have a family to be or around tradition yeah right uh go to these things and they're always so amazing oh. um i do like that and uh, for in the in that spirit one uh honorable mention for christmas song is the um you get honorable dot, mention i know
1: that's <laughs> why I mean. thank you tyler like he's been doing you know, it's like suddenly he's like oh honorable dot, mention.
0: it's actually on yours the dot wave version of that Mariah Carey song. Have you ever heard this?
1: What do you mean, the what? dot wave? It is like an
0: 8 bit uh, dot wave file of that Mariah Carey, Carey song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like this no all digital version. Oh. I will, I will we'll put it in the show notes. Never, it never is heard it. Uh, Monstrosity. This bad, version of bad. it, like yeah, the worst,
1: the worst. Oh, okay, like okay. the worst, is yeah. absolute monstrosity. Okay, <laughs> A dishonorable, right. mention. dishonorable mention. <laughs> I like that, dishonorable mention. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah.
0: And that's it. That's our episode. Thank you so much for listening to us. All year. All year long. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for a great season, a great year. You made 2018 great. Uh, we'll be back in 2019 with a new season. We will be. Um, thank you so much for joining us, thank Tyler. Thank
2: you, Tyler. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are awesome. We should hang out more. We should. We're <laughs> all in the same city. We really are all in the same city. <laughs> we had fun talking to you. It was great. Yeah, yeah I had the best time talking to you. Thank you, Burton Hand. Thank you, Celeste.
0: Thank you, me. Yeah, um, definitely. Thank you once again to Bird in Hand for having us all here.
1: Yeah, and we want to remind everyone to follow us on iTunes. Yeah, also, we're doing this now.
0: Uh, follow us on wherever you listen to your podcast. Like us. Share us. Yes. Comment. Make comments. Rates. We would really what love What do you do? That. All That's those things. Thing. That's yeah. the thing.
1: We want feedback, people. We know you're listening, but we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And tell a friend. Share Lip Pop yeah. in with a friend. We're it's at the holiday season. We are, Sharing is
0: caring. <laughs> we are at... At Lit Pop Bang on Twitter and Tyler. Yes. At Tyler
2: Vial on Twitter. I really don't check my Twitter, guys. <laughs> uh, but hey, listeners are gonna follow you. I'm next. gonna, okay. Okay. I promise if you start following me, you'll start check check
0: it.
1: checking it more. You'll okay. start screening. Great. There it is. Thank, Thank you. you. You're
0: welcome. And as always, coming to you from Charm City, this is Anthony. And I'm Cece. And you've been listening to Lit Pop Bang.